You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. And tonight, indeed, um, because we follow the Lord, and the Lord is, you know, a God who is wanting to lead us and guide us in, in this world that we live in, um, sometimes things change, and sometimes plans go differently than planned. So tonight, we are not going to be in Second Kings, um, as was planned. We are actually going to be in Colossians chapter 4. Um, so if you want to move there, um, tonight is going to look a bit different than probably what you expected it to look like uh, as you were coming to Wednesday night Bible study, but you know what? You're here, so you're stuck. So that's, that's good. <clears throat> that's good. That is good. Um, actually, what, what, what the Lord has really placed on my heart for this evening um, in light of our world and in light of where the church is in the world and where just everything is, there's there's such a need, a desperate need in this world for the church to gather together and to pray. To gather together and to pray and to pray as the church in unison for this world, for this nation, for this city, for uh, for humanity, just to pray that the Lord, um, that, that, you know, just to pray. And so that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do tonight, is we're going to take time to pray together. Um, and uh, I have a short little exhortation that I really feel is from the Lord um, for, for myself, so you get to hear it too, um, but also for the church, um, the church locally and the church globally, um, about how we are to be moving and working in this time. And this short little message comes from something the Lord put on my heart on Monday in our staff meeting. So uh, Monday mornings, we meet as a staff, and we have staff meeting. We meet, we plan, and we pray, most importantly, as a staff. And it's an amazing time where we get to get together and pray and talk as a staff and see what the Lord is doing, and it, it's just good. But as we were meeting there and talking as a staff, we were, we were, uh, we were praying and the Lord put Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 through 6 on my heart. And I'm going to read it in a minute. But it was, it was funny how that, I read it, and we, we went through it. And um, anyways, we talked about it. And then yesterday, yesterday was a profound day um, in, in our nation, it seems. At least, you know, as far as persons and personalities go, it was a very profound day. It's, there's much unrest in our country. There's much unrest in the world and things going on with current events. And yesterday, I really felt like uh, the Lord just totally spoke through our media director, Angela Herndon, as she put out on, on our social media accounts, pray. Just a simple word, pray. And she listed in there what to pray for. We're going to talk about those in a minute as well. But it was so profound. And this morning, or actually last night, as I was reading over the text that we were going to be teaching, that I was going to be talking about tonight in 2 Kings, talking about Hezekiah. Hezekiah is this great king. I mean, he is an amazing king there in the land of Judah, there in the time of the kings, when most of the kings are horrible. He is amazing. We're going to study him next week, unless the Lord changes that plan, but I'm planning to teach that next week. But there's a difference in him and the other kings, and it's that he prayed. It's that when the nation was in unrest, when there were things threatening the nation, what he did is he didn't go to the high places. He didn't consult the elders. No, he went to prayer. He went to the temple and he laid before the Lord there the things that were against him. And he said, God, you've got to work. You've got to move. You've got to do this. You've got to make a way or we're toast. And because of his prayer, the Lord, you know, the Lord through Isaiah the prophet, spoke to him and moved, and we're going to see that next week. So come back next week for Hezekiah. But all that to say, it prompted my heart. I was like, okay, prayer is the focus at this moment. 
Prayer is the focus that we need, that the church needs to focus on at this moment. And there's a profound reason why we need to. There's a profound reason besides just the unrest that our world and our country is in at this point in time, because let's be real, this world has fallen, this world is hard, it's always an unrest, and it always will be an unrest. Until Jesus sets up his kingdom here, it's going to be an unrest. This just prompts us to pray, and as we are prompted and as we see things, as the Lord brings things to our eyes to pray, we need to be obedient to do so. And so that's what we're going to do tonight, but I want to talk about first how the Lord wants us to walk and live for him as those that are Christians first. And that's what this short little study is entitled, Christian First, because that's what we are. And before we read Colossians 4, I want to read to you one verse out of Galatians. Galatians 2, verse 20, says, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself me. And then Colossians chapter 4, 2 through 6 says, Paul there saying, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Will you pray with me? Amen. Well, as we open up our time tonight, again, what I share with you as far as the state of the world, the state of the country, I mean, that's, that's, that's old news as far as that goes. Because anyone with a phone or with a television or with an ear and some eyes understands where we're at. There, we are in unrest. We are in different, difficult times. We find ourselves in the middle of crisis or confusion or injustice or pandemic or racism or quarantine or economic instability, fear, anger. Public school has become homeschool. So all of you home parents are like, homeschool parents are like, yeah, I've got the upper, I, I know what I'm doing. And everyone else is freaking out. But anyway, um, that's happening, and restaurants had become grocery stores for a time. Who've like figured out how to deliver things, and the government, whether it's local or national, has become the savior for some and the enemy of most. And ultimately, what we find right now is we are in a time where there is not quiet, but there's unrest, and there's riot, and there's protest, and there's just unsettled spirit all over, all over everywhere. In the middle of it all, we have us. We have the church. We have us, the church, who are living and, work and working. The church that is not a building. Again, we've understood that very clearly in this time where we have not been in our building, where we have been the church scattered, meeting in innovative and creative ways, which is really cool. That's been neat for me as a pastor to be able to steal, I mean, use what other people have, have done so as to, you know, uh, make, make things continue to go. And I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful for the body of Christ upholding and encouraging and gleaning from one another. But here we have the body of Christ that is working the church who must decide how we respond, how we walk in the time that we live in currently. Because we, like everyone else in this world, are people. We are people. We're people just like the people who have no hope. We have hope. And so how do we walk in this world as those people who have, who have a mind and a will and a voice and a choice on where to put our hope? How do we do that? How do we walk in that way? What is the stance that we, the church, the Christians, are to take in the time that we live in currently? 
And the Christian stance, our stance, because no matter of, our, of who we are in our, in, our in our identity, excuse me, I can't talk, in our identity as humans, our identity as Christians comes first. There in Galatians 2.20, as Paul there speaks about being crucified with Christ, what he is speaking of is the reality that who Paul is, who Christians are, who we are as the church, being crucified with Christ, being his, being identified with his death, burial, and resurrection usurps everything else that we were prior to that. So no matter if you're a man or a woman, no matter if you are, are, are a, a college student or a, college or a high school student, no matter if you are white or black, it doesn't matter what comes after being a Christian or, or what, what you are, if you're a Christian, Christian comes first. So you're not just a Christian, uh, just a man or a woman, you're a Christian man or a woman. You're not just a businessman or a teacher, you are a Christian businessman or a teacher. And that comes because of your identity in Christ. And how we walk that out represents Christ, one way or the other. The Christian stance is that. It is a stance in Christ and his finished work on the cross. It's a stance in him and the identity that we now have with him. And that, my friends, is in the eyes of the world. The world knows that. The world knows that and holds us to a standard in that, probably higher than we, we, we recognize most of the time. Like, we think that the world, of course, sees the church. We know they see the church. They see the church building. They see, you know, people not sleeping in on Sunday and coming out on Wednesday night. You guys are crazy. That's what the world is like. And so in this time and in every time, they look at us and they say, okay, there's the church. What are they doing? How are they walking? How are they reacting? What would Jesus do? And they look here, and it's in those moments where the world's eyes, again, here on the church, that we, the church, have a stance in Jesus, and we represent Jesus. And who we are, again, in the world, has Christian put in front of it, because we are identified with Christ. We are identified with him. Galatians 2.20 says, we have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I am now Christian, fill in the blank. You are now Christian filled in blank. We are now identified with the Lord. We are Christians first, and so too in that are we to walk as Christ instructs us. And I'm thankful for the Bible when it comes to that, because the Bible is our instruction manual. The Bible leads us and guides us into this, and it leads us and guides us into this life that we're supposed to live with the Lord in a world that is hard, and in a world that is unsettled, and in unrest always. The time that we live in is unique because we're looking forward to Jesus coming back and we think it's going to be soon and I think it's going to be soon. But the unrest of the world is nothing new and it's nothing new for the church to walk in. And we have the Bible that instructs us how to walk. We have the Bible that instructs us and specifically we look there in Colossians. We look here in Colossians there as Paul has been in chapter three and now into chapter four exhorting the church there in Colossae to walk in this new life, to walk as a Christian husband, as a Christian wife, as a Christian son, a Christian daughter, a, a Christian employer, and Christian employee, all with the idea of what he starts with in Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2, 
where he says, much like he does in Galatians 2, where he says there in Colossians, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. Paul here is rewriting their mentality to think, look, you don't belong here anymore. You live here, but you are not of this world. Set your mind on heaven and walk according to that. And Paul, much in the way he does in Galatians, here makes the reader know that they are positionally belonging to Christ now. And so they are to walk. Their identity is with him. And in verse 2 through 4, in verse 2 of chapter 4, excuse me, where we started today, Paul here points out a, a, a reaction or an action that the Christian is to have living in this new life, and that is one of prayer. That is one of prayer there as he exhorts it, saying, continue earnestly in prayer, meaning that the Christian, us, we, the church, are to be those that pray earnestly, that continue earnestly, praying without seeking, to be praying consistently, and he says there vigilantly, which right there is our defense when people come to the church and say, well, the church is just oblivious to this world. They just have their head in the clouds. Well, here Paul exhorts the church to be vigilant in their prayer, to be vigilant and observant about what's going on in the world so that we know how to pray, so that we know what to pray for, how to pray for our neighbor, how to pray for our city, how to pray for our coworker, how to pray for our nation. We are to pray earnestly and vigilantly, knowing that as the times change, so does the prayer. The one that we pray to doesn't change, but the prayer for how action is taken, that definitely does change. And so we have to be vigilant. We have to be observant in how we pray, and we must do so earnestly. But Paul also exhorts here, and he says, not only do you pray earnestly, but you pray expectantly. Because there in verse 3, he says, meanwhile, praying for us also that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul here is like, as you pray, I want you to pray expectantly, and I'm going to expect as you pray that doors are going to open. That as you pray that there are going to be opportunities for the gospel to go forward. As you pray, I'm going to trust that you're praying for people to get saved. That you're going to pray for the gospel to show, for the word of Christ to show out, and so too are we exhorted as the church to pray that way. So too are we exhorted to pray earnestly, to pray earnestly and vigilantly looking at the world around us and saying, God, this world is a mess, but I know that you are strong. And so I'm going to pray that your word, your light will shine into this world. And we need to do that. And we need to understand that that is a call, not just tonight for a special night of prayer. It's not just for, you know, whenever this happens or there's unrest that's noticeable and and, and on the news worldwide, but it's a lifestyle that we as the church are called to live in. Because our God is a God on mission. Our God is a God who is seeking to shine the light of him into this world, and we get to be a part of that. And so do we pray earnestly and vigilantly, seeking how to minister in this world that's always changing. And so too do we also pray expectantly that God is going to open up the doors for us to walk through with him. And we are called to that. Paul here exhorts us to that. And what that does for us, what that does for us who are Christians first, who are Christians before anything else, once we have been crucified with Christ and now identified with him, as we pray and as we seek him and walk with him, then we know how to walk and talk the way that he calls us to. And this is what I want us to key in on tonight, specifically along with prayer. Because as we pray tonight, as we seek to pray we pray earnestly and we pray expectantly. And we pray earnestly and expectantly that God is going to show us how to be his church. 
how he's going to lead us, how he's going to guide us, how he wants us to shine into this world, and how he wants us to walk. And the Bible, again, I'm thankful for that, gives us the instruction as well so that we can pray with specificity on how to walk. That we would walk, what does he say there? In wisdom. That we would walk in wisdom to those who are outside redeeming the time. As we look at this world and look at things to pray for, as we look at this world and look at people to pray for, as we look at circumstances that need the church to be praying and seeing the light of Jesus poured into, we know how to, through our prayer, know how to walk. And know how to walk wisely, as the Bible calls us to walk, in wisdom. And we as humans, we need to hear that, because we as humans, we're reactionary, right? Like, that's, that's, our, that's our immediate thing. It's not walk in wisdom. Our, our, immediate, our immediate reaction in anything is just that. It's a reaction, we see something on the news and we're like, whoa, or we're, oh, you know, that's, that's like, you got two different people here. You've got the fearful and you've got the, uh, uh, you've got the up in arms. And that's naturally what you're going to lean one way or the other. Your proclivity as a human is to go one way or the other, fight or flight. And what the Bible calls us to do as Christians, as those who are walking in the Holy Spirit and walking, praying and seeking the will of the Lord is to pause, to not react, but to pause in wisdom and then ask for wisdom, to pray for wisdom that James 1.5 tells us the Lord is faithful to give us, that he wants to give us liberally without reproach. There in that verse, when it says that as we pray, if any of you lacks wisdom, to ask the Father and he will give you wisdom, it says that he gives it liberally, meaning that he lavishes it on you and it's without reproach. And I love that because sometimes I go to the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I, especially here the last like two months, I've been like, Lord, I need wisdom. <laughs> I, I need wisdom in how to go. And I'm so thankful that God is like, I got you. No worries. I'm not tired of you asking. He doesn't resent me coming to ask. He doesn't resent me coming to ask for wisdom. He says, I'm here to give it to you so you can walk how I want you to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. And that is the stance that you and I, as the church, need to take and need to walk in. And as humans, that's counter to us because, again, we are reactionary. But if we will pause in wisdom and ask for heavenly wisdom, then we walk according to how God wants us to. We walk according to how the Lord wants to lead us and guide us, and we speak the way that he wants us to, which is where Paul goes next. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one. And this here is where the rubber meets the road for us. Because here tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for the Lord to work and for the Lord to move and for the Lord to show his church how to move and how to work. And we're going to ask for wisdom and how to reach out to the hurting, to the angry, how to pray for justice, how to pray for protection, how to pray for peace and unity, how to pray for the Lord to work and what the Lord is faithful to do as we ask for wisdom and how to navigate that is he's faithful to give the wisdom and then say, walk it out. He's faithful to give the wisdom and then say, okay, now go and speak. And we are called to speak how the Lord wants us to speak. He calls us to speak there always with grace, seasoned with salt, meaning that we speak with the Holy Spirit indwelling and empowering us seasoned by our time with the Lord, 
by our time praying about, okay, God, how do you want me to live in this day? How do you want me to approach my neighbor? How do you want me to approach my coworker? How do you want me to approach this situation? How do you want me to approach this time on social media? How do you want me to react to this post that I saw that I'm really angry about? How do you want me to share or not share this? Or how do I walk and speak truth and not react and speak flesh? The Lord is faithful to lead us and to guide us as we do that. And so what we need to do is we need to be those that say, okay, God, I know that you've called me. And in this world, no matter what I was before, I know that now I am a Christian first, that I belong to you, I'm identified with you, which is an amazing place to be. Identified with Jesus when we don't deserve that when we don't deserve to be identified with the God of the universe because of his great love for us, we are. We are identified with him and able to walk with him. And I'm thankful that he doesn't just call us and then say, okay, good luck, but he equips us. And as he equips us, we are to walk according to how he's wanting to equip us. And we do that as the church by praying and by walking according to the way that he calls us to to walk in heavenly wisdom. Wisdom there that James 3.17 says is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. We walk in that wisdom that is pure from the Lord, and in that wisdom we speak the truth of the Lord. We speak his word. We speak grace into this world because that's what he has for this world. And that's what he has for the whole world. The world that we're a part of your immediate part of the world that you jive with because that's what you hang out with. Like the church, it's easy for us to be here at peace with one another. It's easy for us to be at peace with each other, but it's not easy to be at peace with the part of the world that we say, yeah, I don't love them. God shouldn't either. And whether we would say that out loud, we definitely act that way because we don't pray, because we don't look, because we don't think, okay, God so loves the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. Whether we say it or we live it, that is how we as humans just inherently act. So God wants to reroute us and rewrite our hearts and minds tonight to pray and to say, God, how do you want me to walk? Knowing that his way is the best way and his way is the most important way. And his way is ultimately more important than everything else in this world. It is more important than how we feel about COVID-19. It is more important about how we feel about quarantine, about how we feel about just how the Lord feels about it. That's the most important. How the Lord feels, how the Bible directs, that's the most important thing that we need to key in on and walk according to how he wants to. And we do that. We get on board with the Lord, see his will revealed and walk according to how he wants to as we pray, as we seek him. And as the church comes together to pray, he is faithful to give us wisdom in how to walk. And he's faithful to show us how we can continue to pray and how we can speak into this world and how we need to speak wisdom and grace into this world that is from the Lord. And so that's what we're gonna do tonight. I'm done talking. We're gonna pray. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray for you know, one, just for the Lord's love to be known in this world. Because that is so important, because that is where it starts. 
Because it's God's love that provides salvation. It's God's love that provides a way to know God. Without his love, we aren't here. Without his love, there's nothing. With his love, there's everything open to us. With his love, there's everything available to us. And so we're going to pray for his love to be known. We're going to pray for his love to be known in this world and for it to be known through us, the church, because we are called to love as he loved. We are called to love as he loved and show love and show his light into this world. So we're going to pray for that. And we're going to pray for the hurting. We're going to pray for the angry. We're going to pray for justice and for protection, for healing, for peace, and for unity amongst this world, amongst the church. Because, see, what's all driving everything that we see in the news, that we see on social media, everything that we see that we're against, everything that we see that is against the Bible, hey, there's an enemy, and it's not the people that are speaking. It's not the people that are talking. It's not the person who writes the conspiracy theory. It's not the person who does the wrong or says the wrong thing. It's Satan. It's the enemy. That is who is in this world who is jacking with everything. And what we get to do as we pray is we get to join in with the Lord in beating back the forces of darkness and seeing people saved. And that is the most important thing. That is the most important thing that we show Christ's love that is able to save and redeem and rescue people out of darkness and put them into everlasting, marvelous light. So that's what we're going to do tonight. And we get to, as the church, be a part of that. We get to be a part of the work of God as we pray.